Welcome to the 23 Minutes in Hell podcast. Author and speaker Bill Weiss and his wife Annette address the many questions we all have about hell and eternity. Bill and Annette believe the subject of hell shouldn't grip us with fear, but instead, it should inspire us to use our time on earth wisely. Thank you for joining my wife and I. Today we are discussing how do we pray for those in authority. Now we are instructed in the Bible to pray for those in authority, but what should we be praying? We need to discern what and how to pray. And there is a difference in how to pray for our personal encounters with people and uh, also uh, how to pray for those in authority. But let's first look at how we are instructed to pray. Okay, that's a good point, Bill. There is a difference. Um, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So the verse instructs us that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for those in authority. So it does affect us so that we'll lead a peaceful life and godliness. So in other words, Bill, then if we pray, we will have leaders who will promote peaceful lives. Right. Right. And uphold justice and uphold the laws. So however, if we have predominantly evil leaders in authority then we obviously have not been praying and supporting the most biblically biblically aligned candidates. And this is something that would have progressed for decades, probably, right, right? of of us as the church as a whole, not really diligently praying for our leaders. And so therefore, we cannot live quiet and godly lives with a leader who wants to rid God and biblical values from our land. That's right. You know, it's interesting. Psalms 9420 says they frame their mischief by a law. In other words, they promote their evil plans by creating a law. They contrive a law that will force people to comply with their evil way. Or they pass laws that will oppose biblical values, morals, parental rights, or silence others' opinions that oppose their narrative. And we see that today. But let's take a look at the Bible. And an example in the Bible of an evil agenda is in Daniel chapter 6, where King Darius made Daniel second in command of the nation. However, the other leaders were so envious that they conspired to have Daniel killed. But let's look at how the evil heart connives and forms a law to achieve their way. That's right. It's in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. And it starts off by saying, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, or chief administrators, to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. 
all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Boy, so notice, first of all, all the leaders conspired together to make a law that would flatter the king, uh, stating, you know, he is the only one important. Yes, appeal to the ego. Right. Right. And then also, it's interesting that they de- delivered up Daniel because of envy. And that's exactly what they did to Jesus. It says in the scripture, because of envy. Right, exactly. So now let's go on with it. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God and as was his custom since early days. So notice, you know, this is what Daniel normally did. Three times a day he prayed and faced towards Jerusalem, even though he wasn't living in Jerusalem. And uh, he didn't care. He purposely let the windows be open. He wasn't trying to hide his prayer because he knew the law was passed and he could be thrown in the lions, but he just... He was bold to stand up for God. Right. So, and then it goes on and says, um, then these uh, men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. And they said, have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And the king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed but makes his petition three times a day. Boy. And, and then it goes on. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. So he liked Daniel. That's right. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Boy, they're really rubbing it in, you know, that he can't change. It's signed. You've got to carry this out. Even though they knew he preferred Daniel. He liked Daniel. Yes, Daniel had favor with with the king. So it goes on. So the king gave the commandment, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. So that's interesting. He had faith in Daniel's God. You know, he knew uh, God would answer Daniel's prayer. Uh, It goes on, but we're going to skip some of this. It goes on, so we'll go to this part. But it does say, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. Right, He wanted to see what happened to Daniel. Is he okay? Right, he couldn't sleep all night. He tossed and turned all night, and he didn't like this at all. Okay, then it goes on. Then Daniel said, he came to the uh, den of lions early in the morning, and then it says, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. 
My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Oh, I rejoice. (laughs) Justice on the evil. Have we not been praying and crying out, Lord, you see what's going on in our land, right? Right. And we're just, it's just like inside, you're just so you want to see justice on the wicked and these people removed. Right. I mean, and you keep oh. seeing them get away with this wickedness. But look wickedness. what God does. I mean, God's like, he is a God of justice. I mean, he's merciful, you know, of course, super long-suffering and merciful. But there is a point when it's like enough is enough, right. especially against the innocent and the children. Yes, exactly. Okay, don't get me on my soapbox. No, but <laughs> I know. You on. notice all those people they, they threw into the lion's den before they even hit the ground, the lions ate them. I mean, they didn't even get to hit the ground. That's how... You know, God yes. had to, they were hungry, those lions. Exactly. You know? uh, okay, but you know, today, leaders are making laws legalizing sin so they can punish those who keep God's laws and morality. Their wicked plans shall come back on their own heads. Psalms 94, 23 says, He has brought on them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in, his, in their own wickedness. The Lord our God shall cut them off. So what does our prayer or intercession or giving of thanks entail? If we find ourselves being ruled by evil, then we need to repent for our lack of prayer and our apathy. If we don't obey the Bible, evil will triumph. So in in our giving of thanks, we don't thank God for the evil leader, but we give thanks to God for being a God who can remove them from their position and replace them with a godly person or steer their heart in a godly direction. That's right. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he will. And then Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And lastly, Daniel 2.21 says, He removeth kings and setteth up kings. Right. But God expects us to be praying for our leaders so he can intervene. Yes, and do absolutely. these things also. You know, not all leaders are in authority because it was God's will. Some are there because of our complacency or they are there fraudulently. You know, here are two examples of where God did not place these leaders in office. When the Israelites wanted a king in 1 Samuel 8, 7, the Bible says, it displeased Samuel and the Lord because they were rejecting God to reign over them. It was not God's will for them to have a king but he allowed it. Then in Hosea 8.4, it says, They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. So God didn't set up those particular leaders. Mm, That's a good verse. And in addition, because we are living in the last of the last days, we know that some wicked leaders will rise to power, and they will help fulfill what is taught throughout the book of Revelation. 
So we have that to keep in mind. Right. However, we as believers, we are called to be salt and light in the earth. And the Holy Spirit in us and through our prayers helps to restrain evil. We still must pray for God's hand to thwart evil and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven because we do not know the exact timing of the Lord's return. And in our heart, we should want to see the evil held back, right? Again, just even for our own families, friends, and people we know to have peaceable lives and safety and some security, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We need to stand up against this evil while we're here, even if the Lord is coming back any day, you know? Exactly. So, you know, let's get back to how we should pray. When we intercede for leaders, we can ask the Lord to send labors to share the gospel with them. We can ask that God softens their heart, give them dreams and visions to reach them, pray that pride would be uprooted from their heart, and they come to a place of repentance. Now, we repent uh, for the people's sins. We should be repenting for the people's sins and for rejecting God's commands. We ask God to forgive us for the great sin in our nation, and we pray for mercy. And, you know, we see also, Bill, that Jesus raised the bar regarding our actions and our heart attitude in the New Testament. And he said in Matthew 5 and Luke 6, to do good to those who hate you, to bless them who curse you, whoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other. If someone takes from you your coat, let him have your coat also. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. That's right. what is Jesus talking about there? Well, back then, uh, it was the custom uh, that the, if, if the Romans asked the Jew to carry their gear, a soldier asked them to carry their gear, they had to go with them one mile. That was the law. And uh, he's just saying, go two miles. So go above and beyond with goodness, showing goodness and so forth. Now, also, this whole instance about, you know, uh, let them smite you on the cheek and so forth. Now, this in this instance, Jesus is talking about our personal encounters with people, not our government leaders. We are always to go the extra mile, respond with love, and be kind to those we come across, and including those in authority. However, these leaders can pass ungodly laws that promote sin, censor truth, harm children, and influence people to turn away from God. So how else shall we pray about these evil leaders? Now, is it appropriate and acceptable for God to incorporate any of David's prayers? Now, some say that we shouldn't because David was under the law and we are under grace. True, but does that mean we ignore the Old Testament way of praying altogether? No. I don't think so. I don't know why, Bill, two people want to throw out the Old Testament. Oh, well, that's the Old Testament. You know, it's all God's word. That's right. And also, you know, in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And also God said David was a man after God's own heart. And that's in Acts 13, 32. And one of the reasons David had a godly heart was 2 Samuel 8, 15 states, and David reigned over all Israel and David executed judgment and justice unto all his people. And then Psalms 89, 14 says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. That's right. So you see, David uh, had a heart after God because he did justice and judgment. He executed it. Exactly. So God wants that from our leaders. That's what he expects. 
You know, also remember the turning of the other cheek that Jesus spoke of is in regard to a personal insult and not directed to one in authority who violates God's word and harms or kills innocent, that kills the innocent. Okay, Bill. So yeah, you're absolutely right. So let's look at some of David's prayers. Right. Okay. Psalms 104.35 says, let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul, praise ye the Lord. That's something David prayed there. Psalms 5.6, you destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful, you, Lord, detest. Psalms 64, 7 through 9, but God will shoot them with his arrows. They will suddenly be struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. And then Psalms 59, 8 says, But thou, O Lord, shall laugh at them. Thou shall have all the heathen in derision. I love these prayers. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else feels this way, and, but I surely do. And right. I mean, it's a good thing I'm not God because I would be probably more like Rambo. And right. I'd be zapping these people and removing them right now. Well, like he said, let the <laughs> sinner be consumed out of the earth. I mean, let the wicked be no more. You know, that's what his heart was because you hate to see you hate wickedness. To evil. And that's what God wants us to hate evil, especially right. against the innocent. And, you know, there's interesting verses too in Psalms 55, 23 says, bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. That, but now, you know, Lord, sometimes I do kind of wrestle with God about that one because there's a lot of very old, they're getting old, that um, leaders who are in all these different um, spheres of society and they're getting old and they are, really are bloodthirsty right. people. I mean, they're doing it behind the scenes in ways that are not like a gangster on the street shooting and killing people, but, but the they're killing, yeah, they're ways devising to ways to kill people. Right. Um, just from their, that's you know, just God's mercy also in the new Testament. I know, you know letting these people, you know, having a chance to get saved. Of course we want that, but I'm like, Lord, you know, who's going to get saved and who is not. And the ones who are doing evil, can we not and, remove them right now? <laughs> and he does say he <laughs> reserves serious. He reserves the uh. unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So there's that verse too, that he's reserving his judgment yes. until then. But I still and think, I never pray and name names to God because only God knows men's hearts. Right. But you, you just you just want to see the children particularly protected and delivered from evil. Just read a few more. Okay, of those here's verses. a few more. Psalm sixty nine twenty four. Pour out thy indignation upon them and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Psalms fifty five fifteen. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell. Now, this is David praying, a man after God's own heart. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Wow. How's that, Bill? How is that prayer from a man after God's own heart? I mean, really. That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. I like him. I know. I know. It's amazing. But, you know, and like you said, he's a man after God's own heart. But, you know, well, here is the outcome when Christians have been praying. Proverbs 29.2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. You know, that's important. See, the righteous need to be in authority. Uh, This next verse should be every Christian's heart, which would motivate us to pray to keep away the evil. Psalms 97.10 says, you that love the Lord hate evil. If we hate evil, we will stand against it. Well, there you go. That's, that's how I feel, you know. And there are some now whose heart is so hardened and they have become reprobate. 
And for those, we need to pray for God to remove from their positions of authority and to put their plans in derision, to remove their influence and power, and for God to reveal their lies and their stealing and their deceit. Now, normally we would not name specific people, of course, as I said, as God only knows who has become reprobate. We may have a good idea who some of them are, but we are not the one to condemn any. That's right. Now, I believe, yes, we, uh, we need to pray some strong David prayers for these evil people to be brought to justice. You know, it's interesting, too, in Isaiah 59, 4, it says, no one call, this is God speaking, no one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. See, God doesn't like that. Then uh, Psalms 82, 2 says, uh, God again speaking, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? This is God speaking about unjust judges and how they should not accept wickedness. So God wants his people to stand up and be strong with our prayers. So let's consider how and what we should be praying for those in authority. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to leave us a rating or comment. We value your feedback. Stay in touch and learn more about this ministry by visiting us at soulchoiceministries.org.